Hello and welcome to episode 91 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. My name is Richard McKinnon, I'm your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you? I'm very well, and you know what? You sound incredibly zen today. <laughs> I, I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> I've just had a lovely weekend, holidays, so maybe that's, that's contributed to it. Maybe that's it. That's it. And you know what? I don't know if you heard, my computer just did a ping notification for the first time ever. Um, I don't know why it did that. So, yeah. <laughs> Didn't hear a thing. It's fine good. by me. Good, um, good. So it's, it's good to be back with you again. And yeah, I am probably sounding a bit more relaxed after my weekend. So it's all good. That's Starting good. another week. Yes. So I'm looking forward to today's episode, which is, well, it's the second of our current series on coaching. Uh, and uh, so I suppose, though, Richard, before we kick off, is there anything else that we need to tell listeners before we start the meat of the episode? It's part of a series. So if you didn't hear our last episode, number 90, it might be good to, to go back and have a listen to that because it was about the essentials of coaching. It might be a good place to start, but you don't need to. If you've got your ear now, don't budge um, and, and stay with us to the end. And then you can always go back and listen to it then. Okay. So um, as Richard was saying, the, the previous episode is all about, uh, um, all about what coaching is, wasn't it, Richard? what it is and what it's not and how to get the best out of it. And uh, I, I put together a little blog post on the back of that, um, which expands on this idea of coaching um, as getting unstuck. So, you know, if we, if we want to work with a coach, we might think we're, we're stuck in an area, decision, growth, patterns of behavior, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever it might be. So um, I'll put a link to that, that blog post in, in the show notes, but it just elaborates on that a little bit. And I find it a helpful way of, of um, thinking about coaching full stop. Yeah, and it's, I find it quite, strangely enough, I, quite, I find it quite dynamic because it gives me a direction of getting unstuck. It's, uh, mm. it's nice for and forward. Uh, so that's what we looked at then, and uh, there is that uh, blog post. But today we're going to look at, well, some of the common pitfalls and mistakes when it comes to coaching. So once we've decided that that is the best thing to be doing and that we are starting to be ready for it, how can we avoid some of these? So. We would, of course, listeners, needless to, to say, we remind you that we'd love to hear your questions and your comments as we go through the series. So worklifepsych.com is the best place to, um, to get in touch. And as we go through today's episode, as indeed any episode, if there's anything that you think, oh, I would like to hear a bit more about that, or oh, uh, um, uh, uh, could you expand on that? Or even, oh, I don't agree with that. <laughs> then, Especially uh, that. I would yeah. love to hear from our listeners when they have a different perspective because that yeah. would be great to hear yeah it's really really great good so uh, worklifepsych.com so uh could we i suppose we could start with richard what's the the most common mistake that you have seen people make when it comes to coaching so I would probably say um, there's quite a few things at play when people don't find they're getting, you know, the most out of their experience of working with a coach. But And this isn't to lay blame, but something I see quite a bit and want to nip in the bud is when people don't take action. 
you know, they don't take action between the coaching conversations and they might have a clear plan. They might have agreed with the coach what they're going to do, but then nothing happens. And, you know, there's lots of reasons for this. Um, the last year is a great example. Life could get in the way. Life uh, changes could mean that it's no longer a suitable course of action. However, if we put pandemics to one side, I often hear coaches talking about how busy they are. And if you're busy, um, this is really about how much of that is the, the workload that you, you know, really must deal with versus where are you prioritizing your development as part of all of that? Is it the nice to have once everything else is done? And if so, you will find it very difficult to take action. So I'm very busy is, is often one way that coaches will put that. But, uh, you know, apart from not taking any, any action at all, I sometimes see people just taking action that represents them sort of going through the motions. And what I mean by that is, you know, maybe someone uh, takes away an agreed action that they're going to have uh, a challenging conversation, a conversation that could be uncomfortable for them. And, and they'll return to the next coaching session and say, yeah, I had the conversation. So what does that mean for you? Oh, I, I didn't know you were going to ask me about it. I just did the thing, you know, it's a very task oriented. I've had the conversation job done. And that implies that I'm giving them work to do rather than they've identified something that they might find helpful to do. So they're doing the task, but not really engaging with it. Um, there could be all kinds of reasons why they might do that. But one common one that coaches who are listening to this might identify with is a sense of compliance with the coach. So they'll say yes, they'll agree with the coach, they'll jump on any tentative suggestions because they want to be maybe seen as positive or seen as a, in air quotes, good coachee. And rather than saying, you know, that's not realistic for me, or I don't think you're understanding what I'm trying to tell you about my situation, they'll just agree. And then in the, the cold light of day, in between the sessions, they'll realize, oh, I can't do that. You know, I've, I've really, um, I've signed up for something that I don't really believe in. And that makes taking action really, really difficult. And I suppose the, the, the final point I would say here about not taking action is when someone has misinterpreted the whole point of, of coaching, where they think that coaching is what happens in the conversations that they have with their coach. When in fact, as I've said multiple times before, you know, it's as important, if not more so, that they go out into the world and try stuff and actually put it into practice. So it's a, it's a process, not a series of separate events. And, and that, that's just some of the reasons that action um, won't take place um, or, or won't take place authentically. And of course, that leads to awkward conversations and people turn up feeling a little bit guilty or, or start to view coaching as a chore rather than something that can authentically help them with the situation they're in. And I think it takes me back to our conversation in the last episode, which is, it reminds me of how important it is to take um, accountability, not accountability, ownership as mm -hmm. a coachee of the whole coaching process, because a lot of what you're saying could fall under, under that in some way. Absolutely. And, and also being, being okay with saying 
know? Or can I ask you what that looks like? Or can I share my concerns that I, I don't feel I can do that? Because it doesn't help anyone if someone leaves a coping, uh, coaching conversation with a, you know, a list of things they've said they're going to do, and both parties are on different pages about what that means and how likely it is to get done. It's not a very good use of, of anyone's time. And any coach worth their salt will, of course, work with their coachee to identify actions that can reasonably be undertaken by that person in their context, rather than handing out work, you know, as if they were their manager. Uh, so we really need to make it work for the coachee's context. Therefore, coachee, you need to be open and honest and ask those questions before agreeing to do anything. And I imagine maybe some of this might happen because we've never had this kind of relationship before with someone because you're making me think like things like compliance with a coach and and seeing it only as conversations if most of our development programs and conversations have involved someone either training us or uh, performance management conversations or delegation conversations this is a very different kind of interaction It really is. And it underlines the importance of upfront communications about coaching, you know. So if I'm introducing a coaching program to a new organization, or even if there's going to be quite a few people uh, joining a coaching program in a, an existing organization, I'll run a webinar for them to attend to get a, a good sense of what coaching is, to ask all their questions and for me to help them prepare. And, and the relationship, the coaching relationship is a big part of that. I'm not your manager. I'm not your friend. I'm not someone you need to impress. I want to be your partner on this. We're going to work as a team. So getting all of that out upfront and allowing people to have a think about it uh, can help with that compliance bit for sure. Mm -hmm. And so, as well as all the, the things that you've mentioned, is there anything else that uh, we might do as coaches that could get in the way of getting, getting the best out of a coaching uh, program? So there's a really good point you're making there. You know, we as coaches, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to coaches that want to work with a coach, but it's almost as important for the coach to keep their eye um open for these things as well and to continually reinforce what's been agreed and and to revisit the core coaching agreement if we think we're we're deviating from that so uh, again i'll say it's not about you know blaming people but more hey this happens so let's see what we can do to avoid it happening to you um one of the one of the big uh, traps i can see and it's sort of the opposite of the inauthentic action is taking on too much um you know, getting super enthusiastic in the coaching session. And, and, and again, then a couple of days later, realizing what have I agreed to, you know, or what have I suggested I would do? And um, it might be, you know, committing to make uh, lots and lots of change in their life, which I would always encourage someone try not to do in a very short space of time, um, or to try and address too much within the coaching. And again, that should be covered off by the coaching agreement at the very start of the process. But someone who's enthusiastic, someone who really has, has uh, realized they want to make some changes, they can uh, unfortunately try to do too much. And that tends not to stick. And that can be demotivating. You know, any of our listeners who've tried to change their behavior, they will know what it feels like when you don't keep up your new habit or you don't reach your goal. You can feel tempted to just throw the whole thing in. And, and give up. So we really want to avoid that um, 
trying too much, feeling a lot of failure, and then potentially walking away. It's yeah, also. And, and, oh, sorry. What else? Sorry, no, no. I was just going to say, <laughs> is there more? <laughs> it, it's important not to 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 talk over your coachee, <laughs> so I will try not to do that again. <laughs> um, the, the, a little bit related to the, you know, taking the time to do stuff. And I'm, I'm very vague when I talk about that, right? But it could be anything that a coachee is going to do. Um, but if if they're not taking time to reflect and think about their coaching journey between the sessions, they won't get the value from coaching that they might. And this is coming back to my point that coaching is ideally viewed as a process, not a series of uh, disconnected meetings. Okay. So if we view it as a process, we can see the arc of our journey across several weeks and months maybe. And we can think about how coaching conversations inform each other and link. And we can see how our experiments and our um, action uh, makes a difference to us and those around us. If we think coaching is the hour we have this Thursday and the hour we have a Thursday from a month from now, it's, it, it's a very different feel. Right. And, um, actually in the, in the, um, the, the blog post I wrote, I, I use the analogy of learning a musical instrument. So I hope that resonates with some of the, the, the listeners, but it may, you know, if you want to learn how to play the piano, you can go for a piano lesson and then the following week you can have another piano lesson. But what will really benefit you is to take some time out in between to practice what you've learned. And then you learn more about how does this theory turn into practice and how are my skills developing? And you can notice if you're practicing regularly rather than that sense of, oh no, I've got another lesson and I don't really remember what we talked about the last time. And oh no, I haven't advanced at all. And, and it can seem like a, like a threatening chore rather than something that could be really enjoyable. So mm you know, taking that time and uh, reflecting and uh, thinking through it. And if, if nothing else, you know, thinking about what you want from your next session and turning up prepared to that to say, hey, I've thought about this and I want to pick you up on something or I want to make another suggestion or I have another example to talk through with you. That's why I never got to learn to play the piano properly, because that's exactly what I used to do. What you've described <laughs> is I just waited for those times and I didn't do any of my exercise in between. But it's really um, making me think again, especially for someone who hasn't gone through this process. And and sometimes when the coaching is offered with inside an organization that they might say, oh, this will be an hour a week with your coach. And that's what sticks until you think, okay, yeah, I've got an hour a week. Mm -hmm. But what we haven't thought of is it's not an hour a week. It'll be an hour a week plus these chunks of even, I suppose, sitting with a coffee <laughs> and yourself and just going through, as you say, in the reflections and everything. And then, of course, the, the application of it. But I think that's mm. often overlooked. And picture this, if the touch point is an hour per month, then to keep up interest and motivation, you really want someone to continue that train of thought and um, give themselves the time to answer important questions. Uh, so, for example, you know, a, a very common exercise that uh, my coaches will take away is to do some work on clarifying what matters to them, their values. Okay, so listeners will know how central that is to my coaching practice, but. That's not something that you quickly scribble down on the back, the back of an envelope five minutes before your next coaching session. You know, you're not going to get a good result from that. Okay. You might have a list of values. Are they yours? Are they meaningful? So again, not just saying I've done the task, but 
I think I've dedicated enough time for this to be a good use of my focus. And I have an output that's meaningful to me and will help me move forward in terms of this, this coaching process. So anything that you, you uh, commit to doing, um, start today because it's not going to get you a good result if you do it at the last minute in a rushed um, fashion. It's, it's just not going to be a, a good output. Good. And anything else um, around this, uh, Richard, anything else that can stop us from making the best out of it? Well, you, you mentioned, you know, getting coaching in your workplace and sometimes um, not, not out of a sense of, you know, um, evil or, or anything, but maybe enthusiasm. People will, will want to access coaching because it's on offer. And that's great. However, if you don't know how you want to use your coaching program. If you um, don't, you know, if you just want time with a coach and you don't want to commit to doing anything on the back of that, then it's it's not really a good use of that coach's time or of your time. So having um, an idea, and you can work with the coach to shape this, of course, but having a, a reason for that, whether it's to, as we said last time, get unstuck from a pattern of behavior, whether it's about a big career decision, whether it's about acting on some feedback you've had from colleagues, but there needs to be a reason for it. Um, otherwise, you run the risk of, because I've got a coach kind of mentality, and um, I don't want to be anyone's executive jewelry. So you know, get a, get a good reason there for that. And of course, when we're talking about what do you want to get out of coaching, there always has to be an element of personal ownership. We touched on that the last time, but but related to that, if you're not willing to take ownership for either what you've done or what you've not done, uh, either up to standard or you've not done at all, it, it's not going to help you if you're blaming everyone all around you, you know, and not willing to take any ownership for the decisions you've made and how you got to where you are today. So part of that is about taking ownership and deciding what you're going to do differently going forward and not looking constantly to assign blame to your manager, your colleagues, the economy, you know, all of that stuff. Blame is, is you know, really not uh, a helpful way of explaining the situation. So again, there's quite a few things can get in the way, but these are, these are important points I see coming up uh, time and again. And as we've, we've mentioned, the organizational context can help with these. The, the the key stakeholders who are sponsoring coaching can echo these important messages about clarity and it being a process and getting good value out of your time together and investing the work. All of that really helps when it's coming from the internal stakeholders as well as the external coach. It really makes me think like Usually when I think of a coaching program, I always think of the coach pulling the card <laughs> where everything you're saying is really about the person who's being coached, taking that, you've mentioned ownership, taking ownership and, and making sure that everything is in place so that they can get the most out of it. Um, or, or I suppose it's a very uh, interlinked also responsibility because I imagine that how that relationship with a coach is also something we need to be working on, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. You know, um, people can make great changes in their lives. And it's part of the reason I, I really find a lot of satisfaction in, in being a coaching psychologist. But that's when you work with someone and you're open and honest and you put the work in to make the changes you want to make. Um, 
A coach can't magic solutions out of the air. That's not coaching. Can't tell you exactly what to do every time. You know, that's not coaching. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a push me, pull you here. There's a, there's a relationship that can be really dynamic if both parties approach it in an intentional and a, and a positive way. But the, the relationship can potentially go off the rails or, or, you know, move a little bit away from an ideal coaching relationship. So this is something that I would suggest that the, the coach really needs to keep an eye on because I wouldn't expect the average coachee to understand the boundaries of the coaching relationship and keep them in mind all the time. I will always talk about the coaching relationship at the start, but you know, um, three months in, they might have forgotten some of that stuff. And there's different ways that that um, that can show up in in coaching. So it's my job to point those out. One of them is is if you have a very positive relationship, a lot of rapport, a lot of um, helpful, focused, enjoyable conversations. It's possible that the the coachee can begin to see you more of a friend or to, to see that this relationship could expand a little bit. And so I'm, I know I'm not the only coach uh, ever to, to have experienced this and where someone wants to either um, keep talking, but not in, you know, well, we finished our coaching session, but can we have a coffee? I'd love to talk to you about these other things. Well, it's kind of out of scope. This isn't even the time and motion kind of bit, but our relationship is limited to coaching. And I don't want to blur that by making it a social one. So that's a really important one. And, and as you said, it's a different kind of relationship. So I, I feel it's up to the coach to keep reminding them of the boundaries of that uh, relationship. Similarly. To, ooh, you know, sorry, Richard, ahead. I was going to say that, that that for me is the the most difficult one. Um, I haven't had I haven't been part of many coaching programs, but I do remember many years ago in my, when I was running a theater company and I had, uh, I was part of a program where we had, it was kind of coaching, mentoring, advisory, but it was in that space. Uh, and I wanted to know more about the coach. I wanted to know uh, what other stuff he was doing and if he was mentoring other people, what kind of people, you know, just because of my curiosity. And and I think that, that that's a really important one to bring up because uh, we, we've got to remember that as well. And for those who are really curious like myself, it's a, it's an interesting one. And we're humans, right? We want mm. to have a relationship with someone we're going to spend time with, that we're going to be open and honest with, that we might have to be vulnerable with. It's all good stuff. I, I sometimes address this at the very, very start um, when I'm when I'm uh, having a uh, either a chemistry conversation to see if we can work together, or in the very, very first session, you know, tell me what questions you have about coaching and what questions you have about me as a person. And that gives um, the coachy kind of permission to say, well, and, and I would tell you now, the most frequently asked question is, why do you do what you do? You know, so then, then it gives me an opportunity to talk about coaching and the power of coaching and then the, but <laughs> it requires dot, dot, dot. Um, but always remembering that, that that is what we're here to do is coaching. We're not here to become friends or, or anything else. And you can be friendly, but we're not friends and we need to keep that distance so that I can provide the accountability as well as the support that's necessary. So what are some of the other things that we have to look out for that might, uh, that, that can prevent us from having that good quality uh, coaching relationship? So I mentioned compliance earlier. So that's just mm -hmm. another point. If you feel you're there to take 
uh, instruction or do what the coach says, then it's not a partnership. Then you're not working as a team. Um, it's a very basic one, but it, it needs reiterating, I think, which is about asking questions. You know, ask the co- coach questions, get clarity on the things you don't understand, ask them to repeat themselves or explain why they're asking you certain things. Um, ask until you've got clarity, because if you haven't got clarity, you're not going to get value from it. And and if you don't understand something that the coach is saying to you, and it doesn't, you know, we're not even talking about psychological concepts here, where maybe, maybe they phrased something a little bit clumsily, or uh, maybe they're wrong, you know, maybe they're acting on an assumption about your place in the organization or your line manager. You, it's also up to you to correct them so that they have a, a, a good understanding of your context, an accurate understanding of your context. And then something that really puts pressure on the coaching relationship is expecting the coach to make decisions for you. Um, placing options in front of the coach and saying, what would you do? Now, that's something you would do with a friend. Um, and as we've said, this is a different relationship. So to really um, nip that in the bud, it is about, I can't tell you. This won't be your decision if I make it for you. Let's look at how you arrived at these options. Let's look at if there might be other options you haven't considered or ones you have and you've discounted them already. Let's turn it back to your perspective because I have a different perspective. You know, I'm not in the thick of this. So we need to, I sometimes use the analogy of spinning plates, um, like in the circus, but I'm really feeling these days I need to come up with a new, more <laughs> contemporary analogy. Uh, I can't remember the last time I saw anyone spilling, uh, spinning plates, but we, you know, the, the coach is there because they've got skills. And part of that is paying attention to the quality of the relationship, the engagement of the coachee, um, being, uh, holding them accountable and maintaining that dynamism that can help someone move forward with whatever they're working on. But they can do all of that and still not get anywhere unless the coachee um, is mindful of what they want to get out of it, takes the action, asks the questions, gets stuck in. You know, it's, it's the best way to get a return on your investment is to really get stuck into the activity and engage with it and not feel that it's going to happen to you. Imagine you, you paid for a personal trainer. And you saw your personal trainer once a month. But in between those sessions, you sat on the sofa. <laughs> you mm. didn't move. It, it's the closest analogy I can think of. You know, you can keep going to see your personal trainer, but you're not going to get the results you're looking for unless you take some ownership of what you do in between. And a little bit like personal trainer, you know, you might make some mistakes. You might forget part of what was said and then you can get clarity and you can have another conversation but really it is a partnership it's a team effort um, and I think that's something that's really important to uh, emphasize and reiterate as we go through our coaching conversations yeah so this is just such a great list for anyone who's embarking on this process and really wants to make the most out of it and, and you're not even sure of what you could be doing um to yeah what what you might bring to it that might hold you back from making the most out of it so i think that uh, this is really really useful um so richard uh We've looked at what coaching is, what uh, what the coachee can do to make the most out of it. What are we doing in the next episode? So what I'd like to do next time is look at one specific theme. 
So rather than a method, look at how uh, certain topics show up in coaching. And the first of these topics we're going to look at is productivity. And as we'll see next time, there are so many different ways this topic can kind of manifest in coaching conversations. Not always, obviously, at first, but they they come down to um, a coachee's mindset about work and their skills in deciding what to do and what not to do. And that, if you even think about our recent conversations about email and our conversations about productivity, you know, it, it's incredibly relevant to the vast majority of people. So it's no surprise that it um, remains a, a key topic in coaching. Now, if you, if you want to learn more about um, our approach to coaching, uh, you can just simply visit worklifepsych.com slash coaching. If you've got questions about coaching or about what we've been talking about in these episodes, you can um, send us a message on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or a longer message um, that's either private and you want a personal response at worklifepsych.com slash contact. Or indeed, if it's a long message and you're really happy for us to share it and answer it on a, a future episode, just indicate that in your message. We can anonymize it, but I think uh, listeners really love to hear what other listeners yeah. are asking about, and uh, I'd be really happy to do either. And a quick reminder that we're planning to do an episode uh, at the end of this series that addresses as many of these frequently asked questions as possible. So there are no silly questions, there are no uh, questions that should not be asked. Send them in, and we will address them in a, in a future episode. Pilar. I hope that's illuminated this whole topic of things to try and avoid when it comes to coaching. Most definitely, and I'm sure listeners will agree. Okay, well, listen, I look forward to speaking to you next time when we'll be looking at productivity. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.